As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Psychic Teachers. I'm your host, Deb Bowen. And I'm Samantha Fay. We are just so excited and delighted that you have joined us for this edition of Psychic Teachers. We are so thrilled to have with us a wonderful guest. Her name is Ursula Duffy, and she knows all sorts of things about astrology and beyond the stars. Ursula, welcome. Hi, Devin Smith. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just so honored and grateful to be here. We're so happy to have you with us. Folks, I've had a reading with Ursula and it was absolutely amazing. And we will get into more of that in a little bit. But before we do, let me just tell you a little bit about Ursula and then I'll shut up and let her talk. Ursula began as a psychic teacher's listener many years ago and then transitioned into being a student in some of our classes and then went off on a direction of learning some additional modalities that are not in our repertoire and settled eventually on astrology and essential oil work. So Ursula, let me ask you this question. Tell us from your perspective, how you got to where you are today. So it was in the spring of 2015. I was in my full-time job dealing with a very challenging work situation for a couple of years before that. And it was sort of kind of, it was taking over me a little bit. I was bringing anger home. It it just wasn't good. I wasn't handling it very well. And I was telling my sister about it and she was already listening to psychic teachers at the time. She said, you know, you should listen to this podcast. I think that it would help you. And I, I hadn't ever listened to a podcast before. So psychic teachers was actually not only the beginning of my intuitive development, but also the first podcast I ever started listening to. Downloaded it on on the iTunes app. And I think the first episode I listened to was Are You Psychic? And it resonated so deeply with me. I was shaking my head the whole time to all of the questions that you two asked. Yes, yes, yes. You know, the intuitive part has always been there for me since I was a little kid. I could always sense the energies I would have very vivid, um, sometimes precognitive dreams, but it always scared me a little bit. So coming to this point now where I was sort of, it was like a spiritual reawakening in a way. I just started with, I think it was the chakra episodes and of course crystals. I was immediately drawn to that because I was into crystals when I was a child. 
And it was just, I just started incorporating the practices. Deb, as you always say, meditate, meditate, meditate. Yes, absolutely. You should do that because that's where it needs to start. So I started meditating. I started learning how to work with my chakras and I bought a chakra crystal set. And that was pretty much where I started. And then once I started meditating and and chakra balancing and doing all the things, everything just sort of opened up for me. It was the fall of 2015 when aromatherapy crossed my path. I believe it was early 2015 when I got my first Reiki attunement. So that also sort of leveled things up, bringing that in. And then Samantha, 2016, I was in your first year on psychic class. At that point, I was sort of doing everything on my own. And I was just craving community. I was just looking to start practicing with other people once I felt, you know, I had a good solid practice down for myself. And I joined that. And that was another just incredibly beautiful unfolding, just learning how to practice with other people. I met very lovely, wonderful women, some of whom I'm still friends with in that intuitive development class. And I learned that I was a medium. (laughs) So all of these things that I was already practicing just deepened. And pulling in the mediumship part was incredible because that was something I was always a little bit afraid of when I was a child. So I was concurrently starting my aromatherapy. It was an online program that I did. So it was all self-paced. And then after Beer on Psychic, a group of women from that class that I met, we went on to further our studies and further our practice. And we formed a group called Soul Sisters. And we were doing free readings for other people. We just sort of put ourselves up on Facebook and went with things, took turns and did readings. And that was great practice. That was sort of my beginning of being of service for others. And somewhere in that mix of 2017, I think early or 2016, Deb's when I took your beginner tarot class. And then in 2017, when we had the great American eclipse um, is when astrology came to me. And that was also because of the two of you, when you two did your interviews on Positive Head, I started listening to that podcast after that. And that's where I found my astrology teacher. Wow. Yeah, it's just been a beautiful unfolding. And it just started with the two of you. Oh, thank you so much. And I loved the Soul Sisters website and the blog and the way you guys work together. And I love hearing how this all unfolded kind of naturally for you. Isn't it amazing when you finally say yes to your true path, the way the people you need just show up? Yeah. And learning how to trust it, you know, just building that that foundation of the trust and spirit and learning how to recognize the signs and learning how to communicate with spirit on your own and pay attention to the synchronicity. It's just all just, I mean, for me personally, that was the foundation I needed to have in order to move forward because this has all just been, you know, one thing after another, total guidance from spirit. Ursula, tell us about your credentialing. You know, this is not a a world, this psychic world is not one that gives us a lot of letters behind our names. And yet you have some. So can you talk about that for a minute? In 20, all of 2018, I was immersed in my astrology apprenticeship. And at the end of that, I have now a professional astrologer certification. And then kind of concurrently, it was interesting. I was doing my aromatherapy studies all along. And then the last thing I had to do was a research paper. And I did not know what to write about. And then the astrology part came in. And then it was very clear that it was supposed to be astrological aromatherapy. So once I finished that paper, I passed my certification class, my aromatherapy certification program, and I'm also a certified aromatherapist. So you came up with this idea of of combining essential oils and, and aromatherapy work with astrology. 
Yes. Well, that was also complete divine guidance. It was the two disciplines that came in the strongest for me. And I'm very into natural healing. So it was with my astrology, my um, aromatherapy program, I had to do case studies. So it was really incredible to see how using the oils and using the blends not only help me, but would help others when I did those case studies. There is one woman's work that I base how I'm using this right now on. Um, her name is Patricia Davis. She's an, astro- or an aromatherapist out of the UK. There is not that much material out there on the combined discipline, astrological aromatherapy. So I'm in this stage now where I'm basing things off of her work. And then I want to continue exploring it on my own. In your last newsletter, you talked about patchouli oil, which as we all know, is my favorite scent in the whole (laughs) world. It is such a grounding fragrance for me. I can't imagine a day without patchouli oil on my body. When I began to realize how getting your newsletters and seeing how you combined astrology and aromatherapy, I thought, wow, there's so much around us just in in fragrances around us that we don't even think about and connect all the dots to. So at some point, I think you should teach some classes in that. Thank you. I would love to. That's part of the plan eventually. I want to understand more of what this looks like. So if you do a reading for someone and you look at their astrological chart, how do you then say, okay, you need lavender oil? So in Patricia Davis's work, in her astrological aromatherapy book. So she was an aromatherapist first and got interested in astrology. In her practice as a massage therapist, she would just start playing around with the person's chart and the oil. And she came up with one signature oil for each zodiac sign. So that's what I've been using to this point. Libra actually has two, but every sign has one oil that she found to be the most resonant with that particular sign. The way that she used it was to always incorporate the person's sun sign. Of course, unless there's any safety concerns or you know adverse effects or the person just doesn't like it. Like some people just don't like patchouli. So if I have a Scorpio person, then I'll, I'll explore some other ones. But it's basically looking at the chart from the reading, determining where the person is maybe needing a little bit of resonance or energetic support, and then choosing the oils for their personal blend based on the signature oils for each sign. That is so cool. All right. So can you can you run us through some of the oils for signs? Sure. Like, yeah. I'm, let's start with me. <laughs> Why not? I guess we should go in order, right? No, go with, start with Gemini. All right. Thank you. I'm dying to know. <laughs> the signature oil for Gemini is basil. Basil. Okay. Basil. Like mm-hmm. my, like, like the one I grow for my pesto plants. Yes. Okay. I want mine to be patchouli or lavender. (laughs) Well, patchouli is the signature oil for Scorpio and lavender is the signature oil for Virgo. All right. So let's go through. So what would cancer be? Cancer is German or blue chamomile, which I think is so cool because the oil is actually blue and it's the sign that's ruled by the moon. And Leo? Leo is uh, jasmine. It's one of the most expensive oils and Leo is associated with royalty. That makes such sense. Yeah. There's such a cool resonance with all of this. Wow. Okay. And then you already said Virgo. So Mm -hmm. what's Libra? Libra actually has two. One is an oil called Palmarosa and the other one is geranium. Oh, that's pretty too. Okay. And we said Scorpio. Sagittarius is black pepper. (laughs) 
Wow. Yeah, that one can be a little bit difficult on the skin. So you have to be careful. I usually, with all of my aromatherapy clients, I require um, intake forms so I can know like what kind of medications they're on and any sensitivities before we go. What kind of carrier oil would you use for black pepper? Because I'd be a little hesitant to put that on somebody's skin, I have put it in a spray. Mm -hmm. I've also done diffuser blends for people based on their charts. So that would be more one I would consider for inhalation. But gotcha. if they don't have any sensitivities on the skin, then we could do a low dilution. Yeah, but jojoba is usually what I use for roll-ons and that kind of thing. Okay, so then we go to Capricorn. Vetiver. I mm. love, that's one of my favorite oils. Mine too, I love it. Aquarius is neroli. It's the flower that comes from the bitter orange plant. Okay, and then after Aquarius, we go to... Pisces is Melissa, which is also lemon balm. Oh, that's expensive too, isn't it? It is, it, it is, but it's so special. It has such a resonance with that sign just based on the little bit of work I've already done with it, you know, just personally. I love it. Okay. And then we have Aries. Rosemary. Rosemary for remembrance. That makes mm -hmm. sense because Aries tends to remember and hold on to stuff. It's also good for headaches and clearing out energy in the head and Aries rolls over the head. Yeah. I, I just find so much resonance with the body part and the sign and the energetics of it. And it's really, it's a, a beautiful, it's beautiful work that she's done. Taurus is rose. So that's why the, the full moon blend for this month is a blend of Scorpio, um, patchouli and rose. Okay. So tell us what a, a reading with you would be like. Generally like to start if somebody hasn't had a reading before is with the birth chart. And that requires at least birth date and location. I'll cast the chart a day or two before I have the reading scheduled. I like to sleep on the chart. I like to meditate with the chart. I feel like as soon as I start looking at somebody's chart, it, it just starts speaking to me. I just start intuiting things and I, I just feel like I'm sitting with somebody's soul every time I look at a birth chart. So we'll start there. We'll start with the birth chart and, you know, the, so what we look at first is where the planets are. Then we look at the houses and then the signs. That's the general order of importance and then how they all relate to each other. The moon phase means something. So we'll go into all of that. And then what I do is I look at where the planets are in the sky at the moment of the reading known as the transits. And I'll touch on that because certain people at certain ages go through certain cycles, um, certain en planetary energies come at certain times during somebody's life. And then the third thing I look at is what's, it, it's like, it, it's an ancient astrology technique called the dasas based on a person's moon sign. We need the, all three pieces of information for this. It tells you based on their age, what planets are activated in their chart. So that's like a really good window to see what cycle somebody's in from the DASAs. And then I'll look at those planets in the natal chart and by transit as well. And there's usually some very synchronistic lineup of something that's happening or something that's going on. And every reading comes with the charts and a recording. And I also do card pulls. So I'll pick a Oracle card or a tarot card based on what I'm called to for that person. I haven't heard of that DASAs. Am I saying that right? Yes. I haven't heard of that. That's really, really cool. What do you think about how your chart can give you windows into your past lives. I do think that that is a key component, especially for certain people. Uh, one thing that I look at for that, that I'm sort of developing at the moment is the, their ascendant. And then another indication for past lives is the south node of the moon. What are some key takeaways you've learned about people from doing their charts in terms of their life lessons, their struggles, their soul plan? Oh, wow. It's so individual. One of the things I can really say is it, it really is like a, a soul fingerprint. 
because everyone is different. It's just such an individual experience. And that is one of the biggest lessons is there's no cookbook. I mean, there are cookbook, there are astrology cookbooks, like this means this, this means that. But I find that you really have to go and meet the person where they are. It's just such a unique experience for everybody. And everybody's chart, it sounds like the way you read it, everybody's chart is different, even if you're talking about um, twins or people born on the same day at the same time. Yes, correct. They're still two different souls. The newspaper had your horoscope in, in it every day. And so every day I would read my horoscope for Libra and I would look at, you know, here's what it says that's going to happen to me today. And I would think this is going to happen to every single Libra in the whole world today. Really? So that kind of generalized information, and I'm not discounting it or, or poo-pooing it. I'm really not, but I'm really trying to understand how there's a coalescence of, of information that is broad enough to cover an entire sign. How does that work, Ursula? Everyone that has the same sun sign generally has some kind of resonance because the sun represents consciousness and the ego self, and it's just the giver of life for the whole planet. So every person's sun sign is very resonant. You know, meeting other Libras is generally a good thing. Also meeting people born on the same day as you especially people that have the same sun sign degree, like my son's at 13 Libra. So meeting somebody that's also a 13 Libra, there's a resonance there that is really deep. But as far as the newspaper columns go and sun sign astrology, when you're looking at those horoscopes, it's actually better to look at it based on your rising sign, because that's looking at it from a house perspective. So it could say that you might I don't know, have trouble with travel one day. And that could be related to something that's happening in the third house that's challenging. So that would be the same for every person that has the same rising sign because the sun can be anywhere. Gotcha. Well, I would just love to talk about some of the astrological aspects you see coming up in the remaining months we have of 2020 and what you see happening for us in 2021. So there is going to be a very big shift in the energy. We do have a lot of astrology happening in the next couple of months. By the time this airs, two things will already have ended. One is the current Mercury retrograde in Scorpio that ends on November 3rd. And the second one is the full moon on Halloween. We're still in Mars retrograde in Aries until November 13th. And that has been a very big energetic signature for a lot of what we've seen happening. I termed it and coined it the battle for our sovereignty. Aries is just the energy of, of life force itself, and Mars is the planet of action. And when I really started steeping in what I thought was going to be the signature for this time, that's what I, I feel is happening for people on an individual level and also for people on a collective level. What is that Mars, on an individual level, a battle for our sovereignty? Can you explain that? I feel that we're all being challenged as we have been all year, to really become ourselves. Aries is a sign that relates to identity. And regardless of what has happened, you know, along the course of this year, we've all kind of had, in, in some kind of way, whether it's through a pause or whether it's through being put into a call to action scenario, we've really been given the opportunity to wake up to, to who we really are. 
when I was thinking about this, I listened to a podcast and one of my, one astrologer that I really resonate with, with his work, Adam Gainsberg said it best. He said, it's our instinct to be what we really are. That is fascinating. Every time I've meditated this whole month, I keep hearing, what do you want to focus on now? Mm-hmm. So it kind of sounds like that's what you're talking about, but you're taking it to a deeper level and that it's more as though the world is asking us, who are you now? Yeah. And in all of this, have you been given the chance to become more of who you are? If there's been something that happened, like a job loss, like if you didn't love the job anyway, was that an opportunity to shift and to do something different or to find something that you're really passionate about? So what's going to happen when Mars is no longer retrograde? Mars will still be in the sign of Aries until January. So the opportunity is still there for the rest of the year. Okay. I feel like you're saying opportunity in a positive way. And yet Mm -hmm. I feel like there's other aspects of that. Am I right? Yeah, there are. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's the thing too. Like there are, there's so much catastrophe that's happened. What we're dealing with, the energies that sort of culminated at the beginning of the year, it's a, it's a breaking down. Think about like, say the tower key or the death key in the tarot. That's the energy that we've been in. And these planetary cycles are very long cycles. We're talking, say, Saturn-Pluto. That cycle is 36 years. The last time those two planets came together was in 1982. And for us now, they've come together in the sign that represents structure and systems, government, that kind of thing. The other thing that's happening is our country itself is going through what's called a Pluto return, which only happens every 248 years. So there's been a lot of breakdown, death, transformation, rebirth cycles. It's devastating. However, new things can grow from that. And the energy that we're shifting into is opportunity in creating something new. And we're we're shifting into air. We're shifting into, we've been in this earth cycle. This, This whole year has been about Saturn and Pluto coming together in Capricorn and earth. And we're shifting into Aquarius. And that's all about new ideas. It's all about community. It's all about innovation. And the planets that are coming together at the end of this year are coming together and their energy infuses in a different way, Jupiter and Saturn. It's about expansion, but having the the disciplined approach, coming up with the ideas, trying things, not being okay to try and fail or have it look different on the other side. Think of the swords in Tarot. It's, it's It's that mindset. It's the intellect. It's coming up with something innovative. And that's what we're shifting into. What's happening in in December? So we still have one eclipse season coming up. Eclipse seasons happen twice a year. The last one was in the summer. And this next one is going to start. Some people like to say that the start of it is the new moon or the lunation before the eclipses actually start to happen. I tend to agree with that just based on what I've noticed and how I work with this myself. When eclipses happen, it's like a portal opens. It's like a very liminal space. And it's a little bit chaotic, but what I've been taught about eclipses and how I've noticed them work in my own life is they're course correctors. So we have the Scorpio new moon on November 15th. That's usually when things start. Then we have a very partial lunar eclipse on the Gemini full moon on November 30th. And then two weeks later, there's a total solar eclipse in Sagittarius at the new moon on December 14th. Then very shortly after that, the planet Saturn changes signs. And that's a really big deal. Saturn has been in the sign of Capricorn since December of 2017. It spends roughly two and a half years in each sign. So that's going to be a big shift. Saturn rules both signs. 
Capricorn is the Earth expression and Aquarius is the air expression. And then very shortly after that, Jupiter moves into Aquarius. Jupiter spends roughly one year in each sign. So it's been in Capricorn since 2019, December of 2019. And it's kind of grumpy in Capricorn. Jupiter just likes to have fun and expand and Saturn's very constrictive. So it's been like in Saturn's territory the whole time. And isn't Capricorn like the workaholic? Can be. Yeah, there's there's a couple other ones that have that energy as well. But this is more like, you know, climbing up the hill, like the picture that mountain goat, you know, getting as high as it possibly can. The energy can be a little bit, it doesn't tend towards the emotional side as much. It can be a little bit detached. So Jupiter and Saturn are both moving into Aquarius. Aquarius. And and it's what's called a grand conjunction. And that'll happen on the solstice at zero degrees of Aquarius. And that's huge. Wow. That does feel big. It feels happy big. You know, I'm over here singing. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. I don't know how close to being right I am, Ursula, but it still makes me happy to sing it. Yeah, it's starting. Some people will consider this the beginning of it. Personally, I think it's not going to be until Pluto moves into Aquarius. And I think it's 2022 that we'll really see that Aquarian energy coming through. So the the other thing to consider about this Jupiter-Saturn conjunction on the 21st is one that it's at the, the first degree of the sign. So it's like a seed degree. It's like a it's like a new moon energy. And the other thing is, so the last conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn was 20 years ago in 2000. These planets work in 200 year cycles in each element. So they're shifting from Earth to air. So this sets up the energetic footprint for the next 200 years as they go through Aquarius, Gemini, and Libra. Earth is material. It's it's what we can touch and see. Air is you, know, you have to kind of like like I said, like reel in the ideas sometimes. Like Saturn's gonna give it some good structure, but having the two of them come together, they're and they're what's considered the interpersonal planets. So I think it's gonna be a lot of people working together. Aquarius is the sign of community and of, of having like a future vision. So I hope my my biggest hope is for people to start really coming together once we get out of sort of the this eclipse season and the the shadowy cycles that we've been in and come out on the other side. And I hope that we can really work together and come up with new ideas for our future together. I hope that our listeners are hearing that so clearly, Ursula, because, you know, I, I'm not an astrologer and I can get lost with, wait, wait, Saturn square and Pluto's what? What does that mean? I can get lost in that. But to hear that what this means is something real positive and an energetic shift that is both personal and universal makes yeah. me just take a deep breath speaking of yeah air. it's like a breath of fresh air did you look at the astrology of 2020 before we entered this year and could you see some of the challenges coming up astrologers have been studying 2020 for years really yeah yeah it's been a lot of a lot of i'd say every astrologer probably has been studying this for a long time definitely that it was going to be a year of things you know having a lot of breakdown in the systems. Some people did nail the the pandemic, some did not. Whether or not you did or didn't, it's still a catalyst for change. And then with all the interaction that we've had with Mars, like this really started here in the United States as Mars was going through Capricorn. So meeting up with all of the planets that were in Capricorn, and now it's in Aries, which squares Capricorn. So it's, it's a challenge to sort of go back to where we, you know, started in January, March, and like I said, really find ourselves and where we are on the other side of this. And is everyone in agreement with you that 2020 is going to be a bit lighter? 2021? 
2021. <laughs> From what I've read, there's a lot of opportunity for innovation. A lot of people have been saying that, you know, sometimes when we're in an air, sometimes we can get you know, up in the clouds away from ourselves. So making sure that we're grounding these ideas and things into reality is really important. Now, I've heard that eclipses can run in cycles. So I've I've read things that I don't really understand that'll say this eclipse is similar to the one we had eight years ago. So look at your life eight years ago. Is that true for you and what you've studied? And if is. so, is this eclipse coming up in November? What can we correlate that to? So the energetic signatures um, relate to what's called the Saros cycles. The best way to work with them is just knowing where it's happening in your own chart. Got it. So knowing where Gemini is, knowing where Sagittarius is in your own chart. It's like a very targeted way to work with, you know, lunar energy, new moons and full moons, where planetary cycles start, like also where Aquarius is, or it's going to be important for people to know where Aquarius falls in their chart. And then the other thing too that's a big shift is the Mercury retrogrades are also shifting elements from air, from water to air. What does that mean? The water has been very kind of ex- really like a soul level exploration in the way that we think about things. For me personally, it's been like that. If you know where your water houses are, you can kind of see some themes. It's been Cancer and Scorpio and Pisces for the last couple of years. And the shift to air from water, again, it's going to feel lighter, I think. A built more motivation or ability to change our mindset about things, to communicate in different ways, to relate to each other in different ways. And also knowing where those houses or th- those signs fall on your chart is another targeted way to work with the Mercury retrograde cycles. Would that be connected to this feeling of isolation? I know we're all feeling isolated with the pandemic, but a lot of the people and clients I'm talking to are not back out there because not everything is opening back up and we can't go back to normal, but some people are going back to work or they're getting out to exercise or they're connecting on Zoom and they're still feeling this sense of isolation. Is that connected to the water element? I think it's more the Capricorn energy. Capricorn can be very melancholic. A shadowy expression of it can be depression. It's Saturnian energy. So those are associated with that planet as well. I think that that's a big part of it. And just these these big heavy hitter planets coming together, you know, with, with Pluto, we're asked to really, it's like a dark night of the soul that we've all been going through as a, as a country, as a world and individuals. It's really involved a lot of shadow work as well. That's going to shift in December or January? I think both. Okay. The conjunction happens on the 21st and then Jupiter will be in Aquarius for the next year after that. And then Saturn, I don't know exactly when Saturn shifts signs, but it's roughly two and a half years after that. So we'll have two and a half years of Saturn in air versus Saturn in earth. Good. You've given me some hope. Well, I did pull a card for us that also, I think, offers some hope and promise. So it, it's interesting because the deck that I chose um, is my Sacred Rebels deck by Alana Fairchild. And Aquarian energy is also very much about being a rebel. So the card that I picked is faith in the process. And the image on the card is a woman in prayer position on a wagon. And she has a bird in front of her and a bird on her back. And the number of the card is 32. So pulling in that five energy that I think it's important to touch on as well. From the guidebook, the healing process, which people can use as a prayer. Once they listen to this and, you know, further beyond in in working with this energy that we're moving into is, I now ask that all disappointing experiences of the past that have led me to believe that life is not trustworthy or that faith is a silly or immature way to deal with life 
be released from my mind, body, and heart. I ask for help to accept that I can and will attract all that is needed into my life at the perfect time and in the perfect way. I ask to be empowered to absolutely receive all that can assist me with gratitude and without shame or guilt. In doing so, I dedicate myself to be a clear, loving, open channel for the flow of life. I know the benefit in doing so is not limited to me, but will flow so that life can benefit others through me. I trust in this now through unconditional love. So be it. Blessed be. And so it is. That is beautiful. That's Sacred Rebels, you said the name of the deck? Sacred Rebels, yes. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. So we are moving into a five-year in 2021. Right now we're in a four-year, which to me, I always associate with earth because it's all about grounding and roots and balance. Mm -hmm. And four is the teacher. As we head Mm -hmm. into a five-year, did you want to say something about that? I do think that there is going to be a lot of change still to come, coming out of everything of 2020. It's going to be still challenging in a way, because I do think a lot of change is going to happen even on the other side of this, but it's necessary. And everything that's been broken down this year, I I called the whole thing we went through the wrecking ball and it really has felt like that. So yes, there is going to be change, but there's also going to be adventure and joy and creativity and new ideas. And another thing, just based on where the one thing called the North Node of the Moon is for us collectively is in Gemini. And that's all about creativity and lightheartedness and having curiosity and new ideas. And that lines up very well. So how are you going to prepare for this eclipse season coming up? So a lot of historic cultures in the world feared eclipses. And I do think that that is a very wise approach to the energy because it's like a portal opens. My astrology teacher calls them dragon holes because they're created by the nodes of the moon and one's the tail of a dragon and one's the head of a dragon in uh, Vedic astrology. I usually protect my energy. I make sure that I ground every day. I look to where it's happening in my chart and just pay attention to those themes of those houses. And if I have any planets in those places, that's also a good thing to look at because if you have an eclipse on a planet, that means something. So when I go into it, I just try and stay really in tune. I try and work with the dragon energy because it's very present. I've even seen dragons in the clouds and dragons come to me like through (laughs) all kinds of things during eclipse seasons. It's kind of one of the things that led me to astrology was following the dragon symbols. Just know that that's present. Just know that most cultures in the world don't go outside. (laughs) They don't party or have eclipse parties or things that we can tend to do here in this country. They cover their water. They cover their food. They sit in, in silent prayer and meditation while the eclipse is happening. So that's generally what I do. And I'll set intentions because it is still happening on a new moon and a full moon. So there's that energy of new beginnings and release as well. Right. Because aren't eclipses a good time to let go of things that are no longer serving us to eclipse them out of our lives? Yeah. It's like I said before, the course correction that happens. Like a lot of things can just come out of the blue and just be open to it. If it's change, be open to it. Yeah. I'm, I'm tired of change. How about you guys? <laughs> well, actually, I'm kind of looking forward to some changes. Well, that's- um, yeah in my life, the things that I would like to do differently. And and it requires me to do some changing. Yeah. It's like a call to action, just like the Mars working with the Mars retrograde. It's a, it's kind of like that whole, all the Joseph, Joseph Campbell work. It's like a hero's journey in a way. First of all, on December 22nd, which is for me, it's a, it's the Yule holiday. It's the winter solstice. And I usually have a fairly personal ritual that I do on that night, 
but you're describing this as more also as a universal night of, of energy. And I'm wondering if you have some recommendations for some things we could do on that night. Yeah, it would be really good to know where Aquarius falls in your chart. Where it was when I was born or where it is right now. Where it fa- where it was when you were born in your birth chart. Look okay. at what house Aquarius is. Okay. And that can give you some extra targeted intentions to set for this new cycle. Well, give us an example. Like if Aquarius falls in the third house. That could be things like calling in the energy of new ideas. The third house relates to all forms of communication, our thought processes. It relates to, it can relate to siblings. It can relate to extended family. And it's like your immediate surroundings, like your neighborhood. So if there's anything that you see in your life that you want to call that energy in or make some changes over the next however many years, because, you know, we'll all be onto some other plane by the time this this grand cycle in 200 years ends. It's sort of like the energy of a new moon. Pull in those themes, look at the themes of that house, and then things that you want to see happen or, or seed for the new cycle is what I would recommend. So Ursula, as we begin to wrap up here, I want you to tell folks all about how to find you and your lovely website and contact information for everybody. My website is ursaalchemy.com, U-R-S-A-A-L-C-H-E-M-Y. The best way to stay in touch is by subscribing. I focus most of my effort right now on my blog posts, which I do for the beginning of every sun sign season, and also on every new moon and every full moon. For the full moon, I create uh, lunar blends, and those are for sale in my store. So the best way to stay in touch is by subscribing. That'll put you on my email list and you'll get my newsletters as Deb was talking about before. I am still active on Instagram at the moment. And that's also Ursa Alchemy. I have taken a step back from Facebook, but I still have a page on there. So you can still find me on there. I'm just not engaged at the moment. Just want to email me if anyone has any questions. That's also on my website and it's ursaalchemy at gmail.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of this hopeful and informative information with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm just blown away now. I've got all sorts of planning I need to do to look at all these planets and see what I need to do to get my act together. (laughs) Thank you so very, very much for being with us and sharing this information and some hope and promise for the new year. Thank you everyone so much for listening. As always, be the light for yourself and others. Take care, everyone. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.